So uh, here at church, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, and we, we often talk about, you know, giving is a personal choice. But if you don't bring Pringles, you get publicly humiliated. <laughs> um, guys, we're, we're drawing to close our series on discipleship that we have been doing over the last few weeks. And um, it, as we teach on it, it's like everything that we try and teach on. It's something that we put into practice. There's no point teaching something if we don't actually apply it to our lives. And this morning, I want to take uh, a few moments to talk about the gathered church and scattered servants. That's the title. So today and this morning, we are the gathered church, the gathered people. But most of the week, as we unpack this, as we unfold this this morning, you will find and you will realize that we are actually spending most of our week as scattered servants. And so we begin where we started, or should I say we finished the series where we started, um, in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It's known as the Great Commission. Jesus' time on earth is coming to an end. He has done what he is needed to have been done. The 11 remaining disciples have completed their three years master's degree. Did you like that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those that are awake. Some of them have come out with first class honours. Thomas, bless him, only got a third. But at least... Uh, he passed, unlike Judas. But the three, uh, the three years that they've spent with Jesus, Jesus has done what he intended to do with his disciples, is train them, train them, equip them. And with one thing in mind, and that was to send them. He was to return to be with the Father, and he had done what he had needed to do. He had ushered in this vision of the kingdom that has come from heaven to earth. He had sacrificed himself upon a cross But over that time, he had invested his life and he laid down his life and he taught and he'd equipped his disciples. And now at this point in the Great Commission, he is saying, go, go, you go and do it, guys. You go and do it. Go and make disciples. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, well, how did Jesus do that? Last two weeks in particular, we looked at Luke 9 and we looked at nine different passages Nine different events or encounters that Jesus had with his disciples, looking at the way in which he trained them. The first of those nine encounters, we read that Jesus sent out his 12 disciples. He gives them instructions and he tells them where to go and what to do. And this morning, we're briefly going to look at the uh, passage from Luke 10, the next chapter. And this is when Jesus sends out the 72, or in some translations, it's the 70. But we'll not go there this morning as to why there's a difference. Uh, But these are 70 or 72 other close hearers. Uh, These are the 72. They're what Peter speaks of when he says, the men who accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us. And they are included in the 120 uh, people that knew and loved and followed Jesus that we read about in Acts. So they weren't the 12 but they were a surrounding group, large group of people, followers of Jesus that were kind of accompanying but didn't get the closeness or time that the 12 got. And we read this together uh, from Luke 10. 
After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, exclamation mark. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat whatever uh, what is offered to you. Heal those there who are ill and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. A few points and then we apply things to ourselves. Jesus sends the 72 on ahead of him to towns and villages where he is going to go. Sends out this party of twos and two, wherever, en route to Jerusalem where he is heading. It's their turn. It's their opportunity to go put into practice the things that they had learnt. The things that they had seen Jesus do. The things that they'd heard him teach on. It is their opportunity in twos to go. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. The workers, they were the workers. And he's sending them out as workers into the harvest. And he says, ask the Lord of the harvest. Ask him. Which, which explains, is saying pray. Pray. As you go, pray and ask that God would send you out into the harvest uh, that he was sending them. His instructions were similar to that given to the 12. He's saying, you know, basically, don't take much with you. It kind of indicates the, the level of haste or the level of um, uh, importance or urgency, uh, really. He's saying, go to houses rather than the teaching places, the synagogues. Go to the, peop- go to the people and the places where they are and go promoting peace. Wherever you go, wherever your feet take you, whichever homes that you go, you're promoting peace. You're bringing my peace, which I have given you, and I'm now sending you to go and promote peace. And when you're there, heal the sick, heal those who are ill, and tell them that the kingdom has come near. Folks, we gather together as a people every Sunday morning at 10.30 for an hour and 15 minutes. We get together for an hour and 15 minutes. It's less if you come late, by the way. Uh, But for those of us who turn up on time, it's an hour and 15 minutes. I don't know why the people at the back are laughing the most. Um, For some of us, it's five hours. The guys who are early, they're here for five. And uh, we get together. Uh, many of us who are able to, we choose during the week to get together in one of our life groups. 
and we get to spend time there and we get to share our lives uh, with people in those environments. Uh, for some of us, you volunteer at certain ministries and things that go on in the life of the church during the week. And you give of yourself that way and you get together with other people from church in those times. Many of you have coffee with each other or have each other over for dinner or tea or whatever it may be. These are our gathered environments. These are the times in the week where we get together. Jesus has gathered his people for an intense time together. But the time is coming when it's time to go. And we, as we get together in our gathered environments, we could be fooled into thinking that this is church. That this is church. And actually, it is church. But it isn't just church. We can be locked into thinking, oh, this is it. This is the bit that we do during the week. And don't get me wrong. I've told you this time and time again. I love this time. When the people of God get together, we get to worship Jesus. We get to encourage each other. We get to hear from his word. We get filled by the Holy Spirit. But that we get sent out again. Church isn't something that we do. It's who we are. Let me say it again. Church isn't something that we do, it's who we are. When we go from here, when you go, you are still a part of the church. The church has left the building. The church is going to leave the building again in a while. I'm going to go everywhere. Uh, There's an image, hopefully, going to put up on the screen here for you. Um, too many of us, we can be locked, uh, it doesn't, hasn't come out great. Uh, that we can think, you can see the black dots on the bottom left there, that we can almost compartmentalize church into this kind of holy ghetto of people where we kind of get together. And we kind of explained this a few weeks back when we used the castle sort of analogy. As the people have got, we get together, it's all safe and comfortable, we stay together where it's cozy. And we talked about discipleship, that most discipleship uh, practices have been revolved around how do we survive the culture rather than transform the culture. We say it again, that most of discipleship practices and what we've focused our time and our energy on is how to survive the culture. It's like, oh, let's just get together and stay together and we can try to be holy together and we'll protect and shield ourselves from the big, bad, nasty walls, uh, world outside of the four walls. When actually our discipleship practices should be about going, going and transforming the culture and should look, we as a body of Christ should look a bit more like this. Hopefully you can see the black dots are kind of separated and spread a little bit. And that is what God is actually equipping us in these times to do, is to then send us out. Some maths for you. Sorry, folks, it's early in the morning. There are 168 hours in the week. If we take away 48 hours for sleep, and if we take away 10 hours, which is pretty much the most any of us are going to do as a, in, as little within the church. So if you come on a Sunday morning, you go to group, you serve in, a, in some other ministry, and you meet someone for coffee, add that up, it's about 10 hours. That's, that's the most we kind of would ever want from anyone who comes, unless you get paid, of course. 
And um, so you take away the 48, you take away the 10 hours of gathered churched environments in a given week, that equals 110 hours left over. 110 hours left of family, work, friends, traveling, and leisure time. And anything else that I've not included. That's the rest of our time. And it's in those times that we become these black dots. And we go and we're all over the place. Wouldn't it be really amazing if we put like electronic tags on us? That's a bit weird like, isn't it? We're not going down that road, by the way. But imagine if we did, right? And we had like a tracker, GPS tracker on us. And we kind of carried it. And then we had like some computer or something. And then we saw geographically, I love maps. You, those of you who know me well, a bit of a geek, I love all the maps and all this. But imagine that. Imagine where we'd all go, all the dots and where we would take us. But the point is this, and you've got it already, I'm sure, is God is sending us, the gathered people, to be like scattered servants, to go and make disciples, to proclaim the good news, to tell people about Jesus to lay hands on those people who are sick and in need of him and see God's kingdom come. It is important in these times that we teach the word in a way that's applicable to our lives. It's important that we gather to worship corporately together. It's important that we get to know each other and we have coffee afterwards. It's important that we have a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke. It's important that you get the opportunity to receive prayer. We lay hands and we, we identify with the hurts and the pain and the sadness and the trials and tribulations of life. And we journey that stuff with you. It's important that we pray and that you feel filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to then be sent and go do the stuff. It's a bit like a pit stop in Formula One. Right? These Sunday nights, like, this is it. We've kind of moved into the pits. We're getting filled up again. And then we're going to get back out on the track and whiz around it a few times. Discipleship really gets its chance to grow and be put into practice outside there. It's putting into practice the things that we learn and the things that we do here out there. And I'm going to invite a young lady who many of you will know to come and share her, share her story Uh, This young lady is a person who has encountered Jesus many, many times. And Jesus has completely transformed and is still transforming her life. And healing her up and setting her free, but empowering her to go do the Jesus stuff. And I've asked Leanne, would you come? Uh, She's just going to share. This is a recent story. Uh, it's not something that happened a year ago, but as a recent story that she told me really matter-of-factly, which I love about her, uh, that just happened recently. Why don't you tell us your story? I kind of hope you forgot about this, especially after calling Pastor P on Sunday. So I know this girl, and about a year ago and time before that, she was just a drinking partner. Like... We were always out drinking. We were each other's crutch. So I haven't heard from her in 11 months until last Thursday night when the power of Facebook came in. And she just sent me a wee message saying, hi, how are you? So I did the hi, how are you back? 
And then just randomly, she turned around and goes, have you been doing that prayer thing for me? I went, how did you know? She goes, I think we should meet up. So after rest on Friday, we went for a coffee. And I'll just get the setting. We're in front of a warm, cozy fire in a public house, sitting on the table where we're with our spins. So we were sitting there, and she's grown up in a church background. But although she's heard the Bible, she never listened, really. She never took it in. She never, she didn't know how to live it. So as she was saying things to me, I was actually having to get my Bible out and translate because I don't know the King James Version, all this thy and thy. So I was translating it in the language I would know. So we finally got round to talking and she asked me about how I knew that God, I'd, I told her that God would give her that word, no, the message to contact me. So I, she asked how I knew, and I says, I believe in the prayer power. So we were sitting chatting for, for ages, probably about two hours, and I was starting to get a bit antsy because we were getting ready to go to the ladies' weekend. And she just asked if it would be okay if she gave her life to God. I went, of course it's okay. She goes, but am I ready yet? I said, you don't have to be ready. So there in Witherspoons, in front of the open fire, she gave her life to God. And we sat and we prayed with everyone drinking around us and full of the joy, the jolly Friday spirit. And then on Monday, unfortunately, she lost her mum. And through this, her mum was a Christian, but she was able to tell her mum on Sunday that she'd give her life over to God. And then throughout the week, she's had a really hard week, but on Thursday, she says that she had this really warm sense of peace. So I explained to her about the Holy Spirit. And up until a few weeks ago, I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. I told her that whenever I first came to church and somebody fell on the ground, I thought all used ones were letting them have a heart attack and just leaving them. But <laughs> apparently it's not like that. <laughs> so she knows that the Holy Spirit will fill her with peace and that she's been braving on. So she's been a Christian for a week or two days now. And she's still going. Well done, you. Amazing. A disciple of Jesus, someone who lays down their life, who allows him to transform their lives and then goes and gives it away. And I need to be cautious and careful. This is my pastor's hat, most pastor's hat on, my most shepherd sort of thing. I need to be cautious in what I'm about to say because partly I want to protect Leanne and care for her as we would everyone else. But I want to say that's a disciple right there. Someone who's encountered Jesus. Someone who's allowed him in and allowed him into every um, room and given permission to do what he needs to do but then is equipped and sent to Witherspoon's pub, public house. I like it, public house. It's a pub. <laughs> you know, and, um, and does, does the Jesus stuff lead someone to Jesus? It's wonderful. What a story. What a hero. Heroin. It's wonderful. And then starts saying, well, I just feel this peace. What's all that about? Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you about him. Because I've experienced the Holy Spirit too. 
oh, and the Bible. Yeah, I don't really get that language, but I kind of get this language. And let, let me help you ex- as a disciple. Right there. And many of us, we've experienced, you're looking at me and nodding at me and smiling and all that. Because it's your story. It's the story of Jesus. It's the story of what he's done in you and is doing in you. But we are called to go. Is that an alarm for me to stop? <laughs> or is that the ice cream van? Line up, line up. <laughs> Hang in there for three to five minutes, coming into land, and then, um, then we'll do communion. I want to just uh, finish this by kind of putting this into the bigger God story, the bigger picture. Some of you are going to enjoy this. Uh, if you have my son who's kind of laying on the seat there, he's ready for coffee. No, you're not coffee, but whatever after. But um, I wonder, can we show that last image? Ah, oh, it's not come out great. Okay, the black writing at the top that you can't see there is Abraham, and then underneath it, it is nation Israel, and then the remnant. And uh, some of you know I've been doing this theological training stuff, which is quite handy if you're a pastor of a church, by the way. Highly recommend it. And, uh, and, and I was doing this during the week on an online video study thing, and I thought, this really fits. This is really, really useful for helping us identify and understand this concept of the scattered servants. You see, God's uh, God kind of began with this man called Abraham. And this man, Abraham, out of those of you who know your Bible well, you know the Old Testament well, through his many descendants, a, a nation of Israel was birthed or was born or was created out of 12 tribes which were descendants of his. And Israel were like God's special people. It was who... Uh, God and, and Israel kind of began to kind of model, this is what it looks like to be in relationship or right relationship with me. And uh, God's special people, Israel, were bad at times. And they kind of went and did their own thing like we do. And they kind of wandered and then God allowed them to be kind of captured and taken away. They went into a place or a time called exile. And uh, eventually they kind of came back out of exile and there was a remnant, there were a group of people that were still remained. And all the time there were these prophets through the Old Testament, they were speaking of one, speaking of the Messiah that would come, that would rescue and redeem. Zechariah, he prophesies this, he says, uh, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and I will turn my hand against the little ones. Zechariah is foretelling that Israel will be scattered amongst the earth when the shepherd, which was the Messiah, which is Jesus, would be struck. And in fact, Jesus in Mark 14, he quotes this very verse when he's having the conversation with Peter about Peter's about to deny Jesus later on, which he does. And it's through Jesus that he sees this new community of people that he created. As he came to earth, he ushered in this kingdom and he demonstrated this. And he modeled this with the three, with Peter, James and John, his closest disciples. He modeled it with the 12 disciples and with the 70 or the 72, which are included in the 120 that you read about in Acts. And the day of Pentecost 
in Acts chapter 2 when 3,000 people, can you imagine what it was like? 3,000 people became Christian. They gave their lives to Jesus when the Holy Spirit came at that time and the church was birthed. It was born. It was established there in the city of Jerusalem, the place where Jesus was put to the cross. The church is birthed and formed. But then in Acts chapter 8, we see that the church there completely separates and is scattered because of persecution. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And so we look at this kind of funny image, which we can't really see the black words. But the point is this, that everything in the Old Testament, everything that preceded Jesus coming, was leading to this one person, Jesus, and this one place, Jerusalem. Everything was gathered around this one place. And the New Testament is the complete opposite. The Old Testament is bringing it in towards one place and one person. But the New Testament is taking it away from that one person and that one place. And it starts with Jesus, the three, the twelve, the one twenty, the three thousand, the multitudes and world mission to the ends of the earth. And that's where we fit in today. We are a part of this discipleship thing, the scattered servants. Some of you have got this and thought, happy days, he's teaching us something, meaty. Some of you are completely lost and you've switched off ages ago and that's absolutely fine as well. But I want you to understand this, that we are his people. This is the gathered time and he fills us and he equips us, but he sends us. We are a sent people called to do the Jesus stuff and I can hear the Indians coming. So, here we are. Why don't we, why don't we take a break? Should we do that? You've listened to me long enough. The, the, the little ones are coming. The rockets are coming. So, uh, they can sit at the back and they can sit on the side. Or they can sit with mums and dads if you would like them to. Um, then I'm going to lead us in communion. And then you can take of communion either here at the front or here at the front or at the back. There are three stations We don't have ushers that kind of say this row going forward and this row. It is whenever you want to come for communion. There is bread, bread, and there's gluten-free bread. There is wine, wine, and there's juice, juice. And it's up to you what you choose. There's even, I tell you what, we, or we, Steve goes to town here. We've heard your feedback. We have a drinking vessel, a wine glass to take from or we have shot glasses if you don't like sharing a wine glass with everyone else okay hello guys come on in yeah come find mums and dads and uh, you can sit with them Peace.
Okay. So, uh, boys and girls, welcome, welcome uh, to come and be with the, us big people. Uh, we've been just been talking about how Jesus... Jesus, um, he invites us to know him and to love him and he invites us uh, to take what, to take the love that he has for us, that we would receive it, but also that we would go and give it away and that we would go and uh, share that with our friends and with our families and with other people. And do you know, before Jesus died, he had a special meal and he had that with his disciples, his really close friends. And it was before he had a really terrible, terrible thing happen when he chose to, to be killed. And uh, he did this as part of a meal, as a special meal together. And, uh, and he had some bread in it. I hope this doesn't squeak. Is it going to squeak? Good. And during it, during the meal... He took some bread and, um, and during the meal he, he gave thanks to his father and he said thank you for this food and he took the bread and he broke it, so just took pieces and he just gave it to his friends, to his disciples and he said take, eat this, this is my body which is broken for you because he knew what he was going to do. He knew that he was going to suffer really, really terribly uh, for us because he loves us, and so that he would, and he could forgive us for all the, uh, the the wrong things that we do. And so he said, "Take this," and the disciples would have taken it, and they would have eaten it. Said, "This is my body, broken for you." And then part of the meal, he took a cup, and it would have been some wine. Um, I'm going to take some juice here. And after the meal, after the supper, he took the wine and he said, this, this is my blood shed for you, shed for you. And he passed it and he said, you do this in remembrance of me. And they'd get to take it and they would share that amongst themselves. He says, do this in remembrance that means to remember me, to remember the sacrifice that I did, that I have paid for you. And it's a wonderful thing that we get to do. That's why we brought all you guys down, so that we can share this, so we can share this together in family. But as we do this, we remind ourselves that we're part of this thing called the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the church. And we together, we get to do this gathered together. And as we take of this, we remind ourselves of what he's done for us, but then we take it and we take him. Because if we know and love Jesus, he lives inside us and we get to take him wherever we go. And so, boys and girls, if you would like to and you love Jesus and you'd like to do this, you can. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. And mums and dads, it's totally up to you as well whether you would like your children to do this. Um, but we've got the band are going to come first. And those who are giving um, communion are going to go now. 
and uh, they're going to get themselves ready. The band are going to come. They're going to take communion. And then when they've taken communion, they're going to lead worship. And so what I would encourage you to do is when you're ready is come. Go to here, there, or here. And then for the rest of the time, don't be chatting away, but actually continue just to worship with the songs that the, that the worship band, the guys, are going to lead us in. Okay? And again, what I tend to do in moments like this is I just spend a bit of time just reflecting, just thinking, and just praying. And sometimes when I do that, I sometimes even confess. I say sorry to Jesus, maybe for some of the things that I might have done, that I have done. Okay, but you don't have to.